Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to begin our reading in verse 20, and read to the end of the chapter in verse 30. Here, prior to this, Jesus has just um, spoken to his disciples. Some disciples of John came to him, or some students of John the Baptist came to him, and John was struggling with doubt about whether Jesus was truly the Christ or the Messiah. And he comes and he asks, are you really the one? And Jesus tells those men to tell him what you've seen, and that that will testify to him that, yes, indeed, I am the Christ. He continued by teaching them about John the Baptist and his reception or lack thereof by the people. And then we come into verse 20 of our scripture reading today. It says this, Then began he to upbraid the city, wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell, for if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Excuse me. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That will conclude our reading this morning. Our particular focus today is going to be in verses 28 through 30 of our scripture reading today. The title of our message this morning is Blessed Are the Meek. Blessed Are the Meek. I couldn't help but notice in our prayer request portion of service that there were a number or at least more numerous amount of requests than what is usual. And there was a great diversity of them. Yet, truth be told, probably many things remained unspoken. So often I find myself coming to people with surface requests that I think are suitable for the public, when in truth the things that really disturb my conscience and my heart I often keep to myself. I don't doubt that that's the case probably today and and many Sundays that we gather in here. And it's quite an amazing thing, the human heart and the human mind, the number of emotions that we can feel. In the last five years, I experienced, I guess six years now, I experienced two emotions that I had never felt before. Uh, One of them was losing somebody close to me. 
Uh, I lost grandparents when I was younger, but I wasn't uh, particularly close to them. We lived far away for quite some time. I lost people, no doubt, that I had loved. But I'm talking about those people that are part of your daily life. I had never experienced that before. When my father passed away, it was a unique emotion that I had never felt. I can't describe it. It was a type of grief, a type of sorrow, but it was different than other kinds I had experienced before. And I realized that the human heart is so deep and complex that sometimes we'll spend our entire lives, and as we go through life, we experience new things internally that we had never felt before. Here a few years ago, I had a very, very good friend, what I would say, betrayed me. And I had never felt that before. Something that was very painful, that still, I can feel the residue of that pain still today, when it comes up. And it amazed me how new that feeling was. This morning, the diversity of hardship and pain combined with the diversity of personalities and how people perceive things, feel things, respond to things is so unique for all of us that it would be impossible to fully communicate exactly what goes in to each one of our hearts based upon the experiences that we have. And so this morning, I want to be very clear today about who the audience of my message is towards. It's towards people whom Jesus calls to himself here. And this is what he says. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'm so grateful that's the God that I serve. This morning, if you are here and you are heavy laden, that's a pretty broad net. I don't know what you're heavy laden by. Maybe perhaps things that happened when you were a child. You know, it's amazing how things that happen to us as children, the seeds are planted then, the seeds of pain, and seasonally they blossom. You can reach your mid-twenties or and all of a sudden, something that happened to you when you were just a child just hits you as if it happened yesterday. You can be 60 or 70 years old. Things that happened to you as a child can resurrect themselves unexpectedly. Perhaps this morning you're listening and you are one of those. Perhaps the world is just not right in your life. Your marriage is not as stable, as healthy as you first imagined that it was going to be. Maybe your children are in rebellion. It's a unique experience, isn't it? As you were where I'm at, carrying your child to church for the first time, thoughtful about what their future will hold, and then you look at them now and you say, I never thought this is where they would be. And it's always looming. You know those things in life that 
they're not of pressing stress, but they're always a subconscious or a subliminal stress. They're always there. And we distract ourselves and we busy ourselves and we concentrate on them rarely. But it's as if the weight of that is always present. It's always there in a subtle way. This morning, there's a lot of people who have a lot of different things, but I want you to know today that God offers you something. I've always been impressed with Dr. Collins, Mike Collins from Fairview Memorial. And the one thing that's always impressed me about him is that he's very much like our Lord and that he condescends to people of low estate. People who are hurting, people who are stressed, people who are anxious, people who cannot take care of themselves. Now, we can't control in life so many of these things. And I would even go as far to say there are times in which we can't even control how our mind receives these things. That at times you may be on the receiving end of hard news, painful things, and your mind races. And you may try the best that you can to temper that and to do everything you can to control the thoughts of your heart and the thoughts of your mind. And yet, if your experience is like mine, there are times in which I can't. It's there, it's settled, it's making its way in my mind, and it is doing its very best to govern my actions based upon the things upon my mind and heart. But this morning, I want to preach about and I want to reveal to you the words of Scripture about the desire God has for us to be like Him in the expression and reaction to those hard things that come upon us. And I don't want to focus as much on the things as well as the effect the things are having in your mind because they're different. Very often people may look at the stresses and difficulties that you have and they might be or perceive to be very small. But what that person doesn't know is that that small hardship is yoked to a succession of many hardships that came before it. And that one is merely the straw that broke the camel's back. That one is merely the link of the final long chain that has been weighing you down very deeply for many years. And so it might be confusing to many onlookers as to why is that person so downtrodden and depressed? And it's because the weightiness is not found in the action itself, but in its distress that it causes the mind and the heart. And here, Jesus speaks to those people. And what does he say to them? You know, it's been very commonly my experience in the Lord's churches that God's people have been willing to be a, a beam of support to things that they know how it feels. For example, if you lost your father, I know how that feels if you lost a loved one. Uh, perhaps you've lost a spouse and other people in the church can look and say, I've experienced the exact same thing and we can gain comfort. But then there are things which people begin to experience and it scares us. We're afraid of it because we've never seen anything like it. And so oftentimes 
what religion has done in the past is backed away out of fear. And I want you to know that even when religion and church people and pastors fail to be the support that you need, Jesus speaks this wonderful message to you and he says, come unto me. You know, that's one of the things that so frequently you would think that I would realize by now. So many people, so many of us forget that as we race to fix all of our problems, and I think of so many personalities that might be in this room or might listen later on online that so many people are like me, they're a fixer. Very often, you know, one of the things in my early marriage that we struggled with is that my wife would come to me and she'd have a concern. And my first reaction was just, well, let's fix it. Let's just do whatever it is to need it fixed. And so often what I wasn't perceiving is that that's not what she needed at the moment. She didn't need just a rush to fix it. Right? Just like someone who... They may go to war and they might be injured and they might come back and you can heal their body, but the distresses of the mind are not so easily fixed. And so you can look at a man and you can say, we've healed his broken leg and we've healed the the damage that he's done to all these different uh, parts of his body. And yet the distress of his mind is great. And what he doesn't need is to go to the hospital and have his 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 knee taped up, or he doesn't need to go to the hospital and have a wound covered. But he has wounds and distresses of the heart that are deep. And Jesus says to people who are heavy laden with the burdens of this life and the distresses of mind, come to me. Don't rush to fix it. Don't rush to find a solution. Don't rush to find a word of wisdom that you might be able to give those that are causing the distress in your life. Perhaps your child who is not where they ought to be and they're a prodigal living in sin and what you're constantly trying to find is what can I say to them? What can I do? How can I entice them to come back? How can I explain to them that the hardships of their experience in life may be due to the judgment of God or at least the absence of God's aid in their problems? And so, if you're like me, I try to find all the words in the world. and They're not enough. And here's what the Lord tells us. Come unto me. All people with all situations come to me because I have something to offer you. What is that? Rest. You know, I I was telling someone I may, I just said it a few moments ago in our preliminaries. It's been a long week. Uh, Not a lot of sleep. You know, the last seven or eight months that we've been traveling back and forth, it's Weight of all those things have weighed heavy. I didn't realize it. Just the natural traveling back and forth until I woke up when I was here the first day. I finally found rest. Why? Because the stresses of what was ahead of me was gone. I didn't realize it, but it was there the whole time until finally I received the rest. 
That's the amazing thing about the human heart and mind is that we endure and we endure and we endure. And yes, we go and we do leisurely things. And yes, we might take a nap in the middle of the day. And yet we don't realize that the cumulative effect of the stresses of life have a cost to us. And until we find the rest, just like someone who is in chronic pain, they live with chronic pain day in and day out. And then when their problem is healed, they don't recognize how much pain they were truly in. So often people who are heavy laden with care are a personality type that personally take upon themselves the problems and stresses of other people and they carry it upon themselves. And so they're constantly living for years at a time with stresses which weigh heavy upon them, which separate them from loved ones, which develop bitterness towards the people for whom they're carrying that weight, which separate them from God. For rather than giving them to God, they look at themselves as the vehicle to try to fix the problems. And so they're beaten and they're battered. And what they're in great need of is to come to the foot of Christ. And as the song says, take it to the Lord and leave it there and find rest for your soul. God alone offers rest, true, rejuvenating rest. And being with him for but a few moments can grant rest that people have searched for for an entire lifetime. Here, Jesus is offering this. You know, when this really struck me, this text he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. That word meek about a month ago, in a, very, in a different scripture text in, in the book of Matthew chapter 5, the, the title of our message this morning, Blessed are the Meek. That's the third of the Beatitudes that Jesus gives. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And that meaning of the word meek have always just, I've never been able to grasp it. Everyone's definition, I just felt like, really fell short. Because to me, what the definition, I would hear people say, well, meekness is not the same as weakness. And then people would say, meekness is a gentleness. And I'd hear people say, meekness is a humility. But Jesus already talked about humility in the Beatitudes. And I'd say, man, I just cannot grasp what is meekness. And so the first thing I want to do is I want to tell you this morning what meekness is not. Because what Jesus is saying is that he will impute to you in the midst of your heavy burdens, when you come to him for rest, he will give you meekness and lowliness of heart. That's what he'll give to you. Well, so then what is it that Christ is giving to us in the midst of our hardship that grants us rest? What does he do? Let me tell you what meekness is not. Meekness is not just being quiet. Or shy. You ever hear somebody and they say, you know, that person's a very meek person. Well, they're a shy person, but meekness and shyness are not the same thing. Shyness is a quality of personality. Meekness is a quality of character, and there's a difference. Some people are born and their personality is to be introverted and shy. And so they never open up. And yet that shy person is not necessarily a meek person. What is meekness? I think it's better shown than defined, and so I want to do that to you this morning. In the book of Luke, chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to summarize most of it. Gabriel, the angel, 
has visited Elizabeth. She told her that she's going to bear a son. Excuse me, gone to Zacharias, told him he's going to bear a son. Then goes to Mary. He comes to this young lady and says, you're essentially, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. You're going to bring forth a son. His name is going to be called Jesus. He shall be called Great. He'll be the son of the Most Highest. He'll sit upon the throne of his father, David, forever. Now, if I'm standing in Mary's shoes, that is a very distressing message. It's wonderful, on one hand. It was kind of like when we found out that Kathleen was pregnant with Callan. It didn't fit into our plans. Right? There was a lot in life going on. And so on one hand, you're very grateful for the gift. On the other hand, both of our thoughts was, this is bad timing. We got a lot going on. Life is busy and hectic. And so here the angel Mary, or excuse me, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells very good news. The best news that a person could possibly ever hear. And yet that wonderful news placed in the context of Mary's life caused a lot of difficulty for Mary. How is she going to, because she even asked the question. She says, how shall these things be, seeing that I've never been intimate with another man, or excuse me, with a man? Now, I want to point out something very important here, because in this chapter, there are two people that ask Gabriel questions, right? Zechariah, whenever the angel comes to uh, Zechariah and says, your, your wife is going to bring forth the son, he asks the question, and he's punished for it. And then Mary asks a question, and she's blessed for it. So how does God feel about when he speaks to us, us asking questions? And I want to point out something about both of their questions that are integral in our relationship with God and feeling free to ask God's questions about the plight that we experience in this life. Gabriel the angel comes to Zechariah. And he tells him, your, your wife is going to conceive a son, and he's basically going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. Zechariah's question arise, arises out of doubt. He says this, this is his question, how can I be certain that you are telling me the truth? Go back and read it, that's what he says. How can I be certain of this? Now, let me ask you this question. How much more certainty do you need than that the angel appears to you in the temple and says your wife's going to bring forth a son? That's about as much certainty as you could possibly have, I would think. God, displeased with this question arising out of doubt, says you're going to remain silent until this child is born. Mary's question arises from a lack of understanding. She says, how is this possible? seeing that I've never been intimate with a man. See, there's a difference. I would encourage you, when you have questions in your heart that arise out of a lack of understanding, ask God. Because what does God do to Mary? He gives her an answer. He gives her an answer and says the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and basically conceive a, a child in your womb who will be the Son of God. Listen to her response, and what we're trying to get to is to show you an example of meekness. Listen to this woman's response. Here's what she says. God finishes up and says, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, 
Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. She could have said, are you going to tell Joseph about this? How am I going to explain this to my parents? Lord, you know the Levitical law says that if I've had relations with a man and not been married, that I'm subject to being stoned. I can be put to death. This is a capital offense. What are my friends, my close friends, going to say when I come to them and say, I'm carrying the Messiah? What accusations of being holier than thou or elite are going to be levied at me? None of those things, none of those problems that arose from the hardness of her circumstance caused her to turn from a spirit within that said, whatever your will is, God, I'll accept that. At the core of a meek spirit is someone who in the throes of hardship and difficulty defers to the judgment and providence of God come what may. Now listen to this. This is really important. It's not that they just defer to it with their voice. It's not just they say, this is my lot. I'm going to accept it. And they tell everyone around them, this is hard, but I'm going to endure it. No, rather what it is, is someone who inside, in their spirit within, accept the things that God has levied upon them as an act of God's permissive will. And they will not allow themselves to be heavy laden with the anxieties and cares that would naturally arise from a circumstance as such, but rather cast those things upon the Lord and trust whatever His will is, that that is the best for the circumstance therein. Mary exemplifies this perfectly. And here, I love one of my favorite prayers in all the Bible is what follows this. She says with her words, be it according to thy word. And then God gives us a glimpse into the condition of her heart in regards to what God had done. Listen to what it reads here. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent them empty away. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Notice over and over as Mary is praying, one thing that that prayer is completely absent of is any about her. She had accepted that God's will for her life was sufficient. And if he was going to allow the difficulty in her situation to unfold, she was going to magnify him for his goodness despite her circumstance. That gentle acceptance, that willingness not to bemoan circumstance is evidence of meekness. Yes, it's an evidence of humility, endurance, but she defines 
meekness. I want to read something to you this morning along these lines of meekness. It says this. The meek one makes no demands of others, seeks nothing for self, and is fully satisfied with God's will and arrangement. He trusts in God's love, which lies behind affliction, and he believes in God's ordering, no matter the kind, as the best. You ever play the what-if game? What if this wouldn't have happened? What if hardship would have never faced this person? What if we'd have gone and got that scan done whenever she started feeling bad? What if, what if, what if? A lot of people carry a lot of weight for all the what ifs. And they feel personally responsible and guilty to anything that happens to someone because had I only then this wouldn't have occurred. I think you're mistaken, brother or sister. No matter what you would have done, if, if it was within God's permissive will, those things, those weights were going to weigh upon you. Rather than playing what if, is to accept God's arrangements as best. Here it continues and says this. He neither strives nor struggles for himself, He is willing to deny himself and take up the cross gladly. Whoever does not contend for himself, whoever accepts the cross, that one immediately becomes a meek person who is soft and tender before God. The Lord himself was meek. Therefore, he calls us to learn of him. And the result will be that such people shall have rest in their souls. Mary... She didn't question. She accepted. She accepted God's will for her life, and her response was the demonstration of meekness. Yesterday, on social media, on Facebook, I have followed a a little boy in our community, a former community, in Franklin, Indiana. There's a little boy named Charlie. He's three. He's been diagnosed with terminal cancer. His mom has a Facebook page called Cheering for Charlie. And I've kept up with his condition. And I've been very, very amazed at the response of his parents. I want to read to you something that she wrote yesterday. They thought he was in remission. And it turned out he wasn't. I've been doing radiation on a place in his abdomen. He's three years old. They've been doing almost three. They've been doing a place of radiation on his abdomen, hoping to shrink the tumor. They would win against this bout of cancer. So this is what she wrote. This is a partial reading. I didn't read it. I didn't write everything, but I wrote the part that I, I want you to hear today. We had a virtual appointment with Dr. Holmes on Friday, Charlie's radiation oncologist. It was a discouraging appointment. one where we were reminded once again of the severity of Charlie's condition. His tumor is systemic and very aggressive. He was radiated in the abdomen before, and it still came back there. In short, radiation is basically buying us more time with our boy, not by killing the tumor, but by stunting the tumor's growth. We hung up the phone 
and wept. How can this be? How can this be our life right now? Oh God, heal our boy. We want to hold on to every ounce of hope we have. But the reality is, we must rest in the sovereignty of God. For he alone is in control. And he alone is good. When life seems to fall apart, the thought of losing our boy enters my mind and brings me to, to my knees. I cry out, O oh God, be near. Show us mercy. Show us your grace. Show us your face and be near to the brokenhearted. She asks us, will you pray for us? Pray for peace in our hearts that we will savor every single moment we have with our boys. That God would be glorified in and through us. That is meekness. Praying that maybe it would be in God's will to heal him, but accepting that if it's not, God alone is good. Do you respond to what I would assume are much lesser difficulties with that disposition of heart? Do you know why she can do that? I know where that comes from. I know exactly where that comes from. It's not because she's a good person or a strong person. It's because she's a spiritual person enough to see that when she's heavy laden with fear and pain and loss, she must run to the Lord. our message this morning. I want to stop there. I don't have more things I was going to say, but my prayer as you grow, you know, the Beatitudes, they tell us the disposition of our character as Christians. And one of those is meekness. It's easy to be a good Christian whenever things are going good. But these qualities of character that God wants to conform you into his image, require things like what I read to you. Meekness. Blessed are the meek. God will bless those people. The next time that you are weighed down with care, depressed, anxious, stressed, angry, Remember the words of Jesus. Come unto me and find rest. It's amazing when God is near, how bad things can be and how at rest a person can be. You know, God offers that to you and me as Christians. When we're with him, you know, I I love that part of what she said, to be near. Just be near.
I pray in your hardship and in your struggle that God would be near to you and to me. That's our message today. I pray God would use it in your heart as he has unveiled that truth in mine very, very strongly here recently.